Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Well, love you guys. Appreciate you. Welcome. Um, If this is your first time, uh, we're not that large of a church, but we're committed to the gospel. And if you come here, you're always going to be built up in who you are in Christ. When I'm standing here preaching to you, I'm, I'm making the conscious decision to look at you in your eternal state. In other words, who you are in your spirit. And if you've said yes to Jesus in your spirit, you are already complete in him. He has given you righteousness. He has cleansed you, which leaves you holy. He sanctified you, which leaves you holy. That's the cleansing process. So, so what, what I want to do is speak to you from the perspective of that already completed spiritual, eternal, righteous being so that you believe that's who you are and then that affects the rest of your being. So much of church is geared toward what you're doing on the outside to try to become a better person inwardly. And the, the reality is, through the work of Christ, inwardly, you can't get any better. You are perfect. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, people have difficulty with that. People will know, you see, we got a black dog and a white dog inside of us, and whichever one you feed more is the one that's going to take over, and you got to be feeding that white dog. It sounds kind of racist to me. I don't know about that. You're not, you're not sure if you should laugh at a joke like that, I get it. But it's so silly. You don't have two natures. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that still has a mindset that behaves like a sinner sometimes. But if you were to die right now in this moment and you popped out of your body, that spirit would go on right into the presence of God, face to face with Jesus without needing to go through any change at all. That's who you really are because that's the part of you that lasts forever. Your behavior, your flesh, in other words, your physical body or your old mindsets, they don't define what and who you are. What Jesus did for you does. Amen? Amen. Now, I get that. People struggle with that. And people, a lot of denominational mindsets think that that's blasphemy. But I'm telling you, the more you dig in and understand the effects effects of the cross and the work of Christ in you, the atoning, cleansing work of Christ in you, the giving of a new heart, the inhabiting of His presence within you, you being the host of God on this planet now, it changes everything. Amen? And so from that mindset, when you start thinking about topics like this series that we're in, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, we don't have a lot to go over today, but we're talking about this series that comes from uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, this idea that your life is not your own. So let me read this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Say, the Holy Spirit is in me. Now listen, when you're struggling, when you have to choose joy, when you're struggling with temptation, you're struggling with fear, you're struggling financially, relationally, anything, this is the source of your power. The Holy Spirit 
in you, strengthening you. He's doing amazing things in and through you. What we need to do is like the water spigot, right? I gave this illustration last week. You turn on that water spigot, and when that hole lines up with the direction of the hose, the water begins to flow. The water's in there. The Holy Spirit's in there. Your mind must shift and become in alignment with the Holy Spirit, and then you experience that power. That's your job as a Christian, to renew your mind, to be in agreement with what He's done in your spirit. Amen? Amen. It's finished. Amen? So when you, unfortunately, in a lot of Christianity, when you hear a phrase like the next one, and you are not your own, for you were bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It feels like this heavy mantle of obligation that you have to perform and be good enough to make God look good. Now, it's paradoxical because we are to repent from dead works. Hebrews 6, 1, one of the basic foundations of the faith. Repent from dead works, but Ephesians tells us we are created unto good works, or good works is our new lifestyle. Sometimes when people come into a fresh understanding of the finished work concepts, they think, well, I'm just free from all works. Well, no. No, that's not true. You are created unto good works. But a dead work is something that you do to try to qualify for something from God. A dead work is when you try to improve on the finished work of Christ. A dead work is when you try to earn something that already was given to you in Jesus. So a good work is the fruit of your relationship, the fruit of your identity, the fruit of who you now are in Christ, living toward the world, walking in love toward the world. So when you hear phrases like this, and, you know, we're in January, and it's the beginning of the year, and everybody has goals, and whatever you call them. I don't do resolutions. Well, whatever. Whatever you call them, January kind of people reset and think, well, you know, there's an evaluation process. I, I want to be more productive. I want to be more effective. I want to reach more people. I want to do this. I want, you know, we just have goals and life goals. And we, those of us that are serious about our faith, you want to live a life that's pleasing and glorifying to God. But you must understand you are right with God because of what Jesus did. Now, should we continue in? Now, does that, does that make you want to run out and sin? Cody, does that make you want to go sin? No. What does it make you want to do? It makes you just want to be thankful, right? It makes you want to preserve that relationship and guard your heart so that you live an honoring lifestyle that honors what He did for you. Amen? So, but... We do want to engage our lives in service. We do want to live our lives spreading the gospel, doing good works, bringing people to the knowledge of Christ, stepping into our, our offices within the body and fulfilling everything that God would want us to do. There are assignments that God has for us to fulfill in this world. There are callings, not so that you fulfill your purpose. Your purpose is to be a child of God, but so that you obey him. And obedience is you basically, you know, it's like there's a meme that goes around and it, it describes the two different mindsets of how you see God. One of them says, oh no, I sinned. God's going to be, ang I, my father's going to be angry at me. And then the other one says, oh no, I made a mistake. I've sinned. I need to go talk to my dad. Yeah. And which one are you, right? The person that knows who they are in Christ, you view God as your dad. You know you're not going to, this doesn't mean this doesn't mean you're never going to sin again or make a mistake again because you still have this physical body and this old mindset to renew. 
But in spirit, you are perfect with God. So when you hear these types of concepts, you're bought with a price, your life is not your own, I pray that it does provoke you to unto good works, to serve, to get out there. And I'm not just, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to present you with a sheet of one of our ministries to sign up on. I want you to serve in this church, but, but this is not a let's get people serving in this ministry because I want you serving where God would lead you to serve. If that happens to be in one of the ministries here, let's go for it. I know Kate would say, amen, please, I need help in kids' church back there. There's always needs help in kids' church, but... But we do want to live with meaning. And so last week I presented this idea of look at yourself the way God looks at you. So in other words, instead of living out of obligation, live out of identity, thankful for what God has done through Christ with meaning for what you're doing. So in other words, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Are you just trying to get your needs met and fulfill your obligations? Or is there something that really is outside of yourself? Your, your life is part of something bigger than just your needs being met, than just your financial future and your families. Is there something that's bigger than that? I mean, it could be this, the Kenya outreach. It could be the growth of this church. It could be your counseling ministry that puts you in front of people that you're incredibly engaged with. It could be your, you know, I don't, it, it's, it's unlimited what the meaning that you attach uh, could, you could be engaged in. But I suggest, made a suggestion last week, and because you know, we had the weather that we did and we weren't sure what the roads were like, there was hardly anybody here last week, so let me quickly review this. Some of you may have watched the video. If you didn't, I want to give you this. Think of yourself this way. Attach massive, massive amount of significance to the way God thinks about you. Right? So in other words, you want to live a life of meaning. You want to be engaged in something that makes a kingdom difference. Have this mindset about yourself, about how important you are to God as you are going to live a life of meaning. In other words, why am I valuable to God? And when you begin to see how valuable you are to God, it informs how valuable people are to you and to God. Does that make sense? So in other words, sometimes we're like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Well, just think about how meaningful you are to God. And then that will inspire you to look at other people. And man, he, he sees that person the same way. So here's the mindset. This is Isaiah 54, 4. This is God about you. Say me. Do not fear. This is after Isaiah 53, the exchange of the cross. Isaiah 54, 4. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame for you, are, you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore, for your maker is your husband. Amen. Think about that. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. You are Israel spiritually. I'm not talking about replacement theology. The genetic people of Israel still have a place for God. I'm talking spiritually. Look at Ephesians 3 to, I mean, Galatians 3 to work that out. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of it. He is called the God of the whole earth. Then I had this thought, and I walked, I walked you through this process last week. I'm not going to take as long this week. Go back and watch the video. But God Himself, as a result of the cross and the establishment of the new covenant, of which He and Jesus, the Father and the Son, 
uphold both ends of the covenant, and you by faith are in Jesus. Therefore, you are as secure in the eternal new covenant that is sealed in the blood of Christ as Jesus is because you are in Him. Amen? And in Him, there's this mindset and there's this language, and you kind of have to suspend, you know, just take Scripture for what it says. But the intimacy of connection and relationship that we have with God you know, God framed our relationship Himself. Yes, we are servants. Yes, we are to serve. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to frame our relationship in the context of a marriage. But that's how He sees it. So He communicates that to us. He looks at you and He sees His connection with you as intimate as husband and wife. That's how close He feels to you as a result of Christ having died for you. He looks at you and He wants to take care of you as His bride. And then I had this picture as I was thinking about this. You know, we're considered the bride of Christ and I'm kind of interchanging. I mean, it does say the Lord your maker is your husband. And, you know, in Revelation we see a lot of language about the bride of Christ. But I just had this idea. If you could see Jesus walking around the planet with His bride... Just think about that for a minute. Jesus is walking around the planet with His bride and His family. I mean, what kind of reverence? I mean, how would He treat His wife, right? What kind of respect do you think He has for His... What kind of... What is He doing for His wife? What is He doing for her to provide and take care of? That's you. I'm telling you, we are the bride of Christ on this planet. So as you seek to live a life of meaning, live from that sense of worth for yourself. Amen? God has great, great worth for you. And it's out of that that drives your compassion toward others. Because again, when you hear these kinds of messages and we start talking about passages like this, your life is not your own, it does create a sense of obligation. Man, I need to be doing something. What am I doing? I'm a lazy slug. I'm not doing nothing for God. And I get it. We're all busy. We got our jobs. We got our families. But let that intimate relationship with the Father compel you toward people. Are you with me? Now, you just got to take that and go meditate on it. Otherwise, it's like, oh, that's an interesting sermon point. Appreciate the goosebump. And then you go out and you don't ever think about it again. Well, that's kind of weird. I'm not God's bride. Yeah, not for me. You can do that. That's fine. But if you go and meditate on that idea, man, you will gain such a humbling perspective of yourself and the heart of God toward people that will not let you resist going to people any longer because people need to know how much God cares about them and loves them and what Jesus did for them, not just for salvation, but so that God's, I mean, God desires to be one with people. It's more than just serving a God who requires things from us. This is, this is an intimate relationship that we are drawing people into. And so it becomes less about you know, doing specific things and more so about a lifestyle. Amen? I got another passage here for you. Then we'll start to wrap it up. This is John 17, 20. This is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. This is Jesus is coming down toward the end of his life. He's praying for his disciples 
and he's praying for you. In other words, those people who would believe without seeing. And this is what he prays, and I love this. And, and the goal of what I want you to get out of this is how simple your task is as the bride of Christ. Yes, there may be some specifics that God will lead you to do, and if you don't know what those are, I'm, I, I personally, I'm not, not going to play Holy Spirit for you and tell you what God wants you to do, but I will sit down with you and talk with you and help you think some things through and figure out a path that works for you and, and, and help you tune your ears to the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm not going to teach you how to hear God. I'm just going to help you think and we'll talk about Scripture, you know. Uh, I've got this book, Who Do You Love, that does that very thing. It couches the whole idea in not trying to figure out what God wants you to do, but deciding who you love and then moving toward those people. So if you hear your life is not your own and you get a sense of obligation, let that obligation be filtered through this mindset of how easy it is to actually reach people. Watch the fruit here. Jesus prays, John 17, 20. I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in... I love this picture that he paints here. That they may be one uh, as you, Father, are in me. So that's the first one. And I am in you. And they also may be in us. It's like a threefold picture here. That they are one, we are one, and then we're one in him. And then what's the fruit of that? that the world may believe that you sent me, right? It's not the miracle, although miracles are awesome. I want to see more. I want to get better at it. It's not, it's not your hard work as a servant of God. It's you recognizing your unity with the Father together in Him. The fruit of that, there is action out of that unity. Then there's more in the rest of so 22. And think about that for a year that they may be one just as we are one. And again, he reiterates it. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect or mature in one, that the world may know that you have sent me. Our unity, our love for one another, our awareness and living out of our worth in God, the fruit of it is the world believes that Jesus sent. Now, it's not that you just get to sit around and understand your unity it drives compassion. It drives action. So if you feel compelled to action out of a statement like, your life is not your own, live a life that glorifies God, don't let it be driven of, well, I'm going to disappoint God if I don't do it. Am I doing enough? Listen, I promise you, you are not doing enough. <laughs> I'm not doing enough. Billy Graham didn't do enough. What is enough? It's not about that. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle out of an awareness of your worth to Him, your worth to Him, and your unity in Him and our unity together. What it does compel within me is to grow up, especially in how I see other Christians. You know what I'm saying? Like if our unity with other believers is supposed to be a sign to the world that we follow Jesus and unites us to the point that the world believes, man, if you want to work on something, work on that. Work on loving your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because the fruit will be the world believes. That's how I read it. If you read it differently, that's fine, but this is how I read it.
Amen? And I just have this idea, love is the way to win the world. Now, I'm not trying to wave a rainbow flag and say love is love. Don't, don't read into something that I'm not saying. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Love is in relation to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, how God orders it, how God, you know, scripturally. So, you know, just to put a period on that question mark in your mind. Can you put a period on a question mark? Here's an exercise that I just felt like God said, and this might be a little silly for you. This will be for some of you. Some of you it won't be. This might be an exercise for you, but when you're out in public or even just people that you know, do this exercise. Look at someone and say in your mind, in your mind, I love you. And, and, and you're just thinking, you just, so in other words, you're cultivating the awareness of love for this person. Now, I, I don't, I, I saw a video online that, that said that some people can't think or hear themselves think in their minds. Yeah, is there anybody in here that, like you can't hear yourself talking in your own mind? I wish I couldn't. You wish you couldn't? <laughs> I don't know. But in other words, you, you, you what? You don't shut up. <laughs> just try it. Look at the person next to you. Don't say anything. Look at them and just think. Think, man, I, I love you. You know, I mean, not that you're surprised about it. But honestly, do it. And, and you know, I get it. It's funny. It's weird. But this is pra church is practice. It just is. Church is practice for out there. If our love toward one another is what draws people to believe that he sent them, let's practice it. So you're at a restaurant. You're at the grocery store. You're on your job. And whether it drives action or not, in your mind, rephrase what's going on inside of you. Reframe what's going on inside of you to look at this person through the eyes of love. And you're just looking at them. And you're telling yourself, I love this person. Is that, can you do that? Try it. I, I'm interested. I felt like that was a Holy Spirit idea. I love you, Clint. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. And, and so then, you, then you can't, you know, it, it'll probably come out of your mouth. It might drive an action. And it's not just acts of kindness that's going to make people say, well, bless God, I think I'm going to get saved today. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be so boil it down to that, but I'm just talking about the, the whole environment that the church of God on this planet creates is compelling to people to believe in, that we follow Jesus, which the fruit will be. Here it says they'll believe that Jesus was sent for them too. Just saying that in your mind. Believe. Yeah, it does. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, but it, but it, but it, it tell it communicates to people. Ah, maybe there is something to this. Maybe maybe there is something to this, and it's it's love. So if you hear, your life is not your own. You were bought with a price, and you feel that sense of well, I'm not doing enough. That's true, you're not, but you can love, and you can walk in unity with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And out of that love, the desire is, the hope is, it presents the opportunity to present the gospel in whatever way, form is appropriate in that setting. Are you with me? It's just about spreading the gospel. And if there's an opportunity for a salvation, praise God. If it's just you're sowing, you're watering a seed that somebody else planted, that somebody else is going to harvest, then that's the process too. 
let yourself off the hook a little bit. It's easier than you think, but be intentional about walking in love. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for loving us. We don't take it lightly. We trust you. We want to represent you well on this planet, and you are love. Just stand up with me. I've got a passage here that I just want to frame. If you're giving today or if you're going to give this week or you're thinking about what you want to do uh, you know, for either this church or any ministry you want to sow into or the, even the Kenya thing, I wanted to read this to you. So just set your heart in, in terms of generosity and giving. If you're a regular giver, let this sink down into your heart. This is Matthew 6, 25 and 26. This is Jesus speaking. And uh, he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you need more money because you got some bills to pay or there's people that you want to help? Actually, raise your hand. How many of you need more money to take care of the things that you want to take care of? Yeah. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. And some people say, well, he promised to meet our needs. And we can't be selfish. Yeah, but he also said he wants to provide for you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. So, you know, do with that what, do with that what you may. Therefore, if I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? So he frames it. He's like, just quit being carnal and self-centered. Then he says, verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God wants to provide for you because you're valuable to Him. He's not wanting to provide for you because you keep a law and you give a certain percentage. I appreciate that. Do it. Do that. It's a good standard to do. But the reason God wants to provide for you is because you're worth something to Him. You are more valuable than birds that don't worry about what they're going to eat. You're more valuable than plants that withered tomorrow, right? You're incredibly valuable to God, and He wants to provide for you. Is it time to eat? Somebody's going off here. Did I preach too long? <laughs> so... In terms of that, just thank him, right? Just thank him for his heart towards you. Because earlier he said you, he knows what we need before we ever even ask. That's what he says. He know, he's like, I know what you need before you ask. So ask, but in the mindset that you're valuable to him. Father, we thank you that we are incredibly valuable to you, that you love us, that you've joined yourself to us, that we are have such a deep connection with you that it's going to take forever to even understand and enjoy. And out of that love, we want to be generous, to break our mindsets out of trading labor for dollars and thinking that we have to do things in this earth to get you to provide for us. You want to provide for me. You want to bless me so that I can be a blessing. And I choose to believe that about myself, that I'm valuable to you, and I'm open, I'm an open vessel, vessel to be blessed by you, to be a blessing. And I will use my finances as a seed that you've given to me to tune my heart to trust you. I give of my money and my finances to trust, to, to teach my heart how to trust you. 
I trust you, Lord. I trust that you are my provider and you are seeking to bless me so I can be a blessing. So out of that, the act of faith, I give. I give and I trust. And in my heart, I believe, Father, I thank you that you are flowing through me to be a blessing in this earth as I walk in love toward people. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.